Hey everyone, welcome to the Self Agency Advocate Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda, and this is a space where we explore, discover, and share tools, techniques, and wisdom to help you build and maintain a sense of agency. Awesome. So today we've got the wonderful, wonderful Sasha Hope joining us. And I'm so, so excited for this conversation because when I think about self-agency and empowerment, truly one of the first women that come up is you, Sasha, because there's such this essence of feminine embodiment and allowing others to experience their own expression and invite them into that place of personal permission. And I think it's such a wonderful essence to portray and to offer to others. I see it not only in your yoga classes, but ecstatic dance and truly everything that you do. So thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you. What a lovely introduction. That's really warming my heart to hear that. Really, really mm. pleasure and an honor to be here. Mm. Yeah, it's so exciting. So with that, I just want to jump right in with you because I I know that there's so much wisdom that's about to be imparted. So I'm really excited. So when we first kind of sparked this conversation around self-agency and what that means and what it looks like, I'd first and foremost like to get your intake on not only what does self-agency mean to you, but how does it really show up in not only your day-to-day, but how do you continue to cultivate your sense of self and that sense of self-agency? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think for our listeners, it's good to clarify what does self-agency mean? So, Mm. and what does it mean to me? And it's definitely something that I have been working on cultivating more and more and more, but it's a concept that I didn't really understand fully, say, you know, five or seven years ago. Mm. You know, self-agency for me is about this agency that I have over my own being. It's that idea that we are in co-creation with reality and really the only thing that I have agency over is my own being my own body and my own responses and the way that I respond in the world Mm -hmm. shifting my paradigm it's taken me like I've been aware of this for a number of years, but as I deepen into it more and more and more, this understanding that this reality on a quantum physics level is happening through me and from me, not to me. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. So this this shifting of this shifting of understanding that I'm just a little old me that that's very separate. This little old me that's separate on its own, sort of floating in space with no agency of my being. And mm. as opposed to I'm understanding my interconnectedness to the whole and that I have an agency or a self-agency of how I show up in this field of reality yeah Yeah. absolutely we're conditioned from a very young age to to give our power away and to not understand our own what is happening in this internal space from a very young age we're conditioned to believe that this is if i do this i get this response this is right this is wrong this is when i should 
this is when I should sleep. Mm. This person is my teacher, so therefore they know more than me. This person is a doctor, so they understand my health and well-being more than me. And it's not to say that, you know, doctors aren't amazing and teachers aren't amazing at what they do and their knowledge, but there's a in our society, there's a conditioning from a young age to learn to not check in on our internal space of what is this body, what is this internal space really needing right now? Mm, absolutely. So was there a time that, was there an experience or something that occurred in order to allow you to understand or start discovering this side of things? Because it sounds like when you had said it's a different understanding from even six, seven years ago, how does that shift? Because for some, they're still in that space of not understanding or not knowing what's next or where to turn or how to really look within so was it an experience that happened that allowed you this shift of discovery I have a very vivid memory of the first time I started to have an understanding of this and this was probably when I was 14 it was like one of those windows that opened in reality and there was an understanding then we go back into normal life and mm. it kind of gets pushed to the side that understanding so remember I was 14 I can't remember exactly what was going on but probably much teenage angst <laughs> I was up <laughs> and I come from a dance background but a very trained dance background so again it was the you do this and you do that and you fix and you perfect and it's that outward telling you what to do and trying to arrange myself so possibly one day mm. feel good enough and be perfect which is it which will never happen yeah. there's you just you're never going to get there on that path but it keeps us right it keeps us striving and in this I'm not enough <laughs> and I just need to fix and change and do better paradigm it's you know it's a paradigm that a lot of us buy into so I had this moment of teenage angst and I was upset about something and I put on some music and as I said I'd come from really highly trained dance background hours hmm. each week and I just started to move and I just started to dance however I wanted and I still remember the profound feeling of emotional release that I had the healing just in it was only like a five minute track that I put on and this deep sense of feeling and peace I remember that point really clearly and then wow. I probably shut it and put it away that we shut put away okay that was an experience but I didn't understand how to articulate or what that meant and then I went back into my life of school and dance training and you just have to do more of this and that and then you'll get to your goal at the end of the day even with my early years of yoga mm. and being practicing I've been practicing yoga for uh, about 21, 22 years now and teaching about 18. So even in my early years of uh, mm. practicing yoga and teaching yoga, it was very much still from that place, from the perfecting of the driving of that mentality and that groove. And then as I, it actually took me even though I come from a dance background and I'd also been playing a lot with freeform movement with five rhythms and I would come into contact with these containers. So five rhythms is, is a dance container or contact improvisation, free movement. I would come into these containers where I could feel like, oh, I can actually listen to this inner impulse and really go inside and listen from that place and move from that place. And wow, that's me a real sense of peace. It brings me a sense of freedom. Mm. It brings me healing. It brings me emotional release. But I was still tied up in this spiritual ideal that to get to where I thought I needed to get to, 
actually what I needed to do was perfect my downward dog and just sit in full lotus for more hours. <laughs> so there was for me, the real fight going on for years. <laughs> yeah. For years. Yeah. And then I absolutely I think my connecting, even though we would say yoga is as first and foremost, it is supposed to be a spiritual practice, but as it's translated over to the West, it, it's lost a lot of that. So this may, I just wanted to go like that because this may sound funny. As I got more into my spirituality, mm-hmm. which you think I'd been practicing yoga for years, that I was spiritual, but I actually could see that I wasn't really. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely. I in communion every day with a higher source of power and really listening to that and really letting that guide me and listening, understanding that that was actually in every cell of my body and navigating mm. my that way once I started to understand that more and that was actually through a another modality that I facilitate which is theta healing so as I began to understand that more I allowed myself to have permission to really go okay what happens if I just let go a little bit more of what I think I'm supposed to do and what if I just really listen into what this body wants and needs at any moment in time Mm, around that that's a big shift that's a big shift it's a big shift. Like, where, how can I move from this internal space? And how can I really be comfortable with it? That is enough. Mm. As opposed to moving from wow. external perfecting of then that's enough. It was a very it was a very big shift. It happened gradually. There was things, as I said, the theater healing, embodiment practices, coming into contact with Donna Fahi, doing some training with her, and then training with my now teachers, Tara Judal and Scott Leons from that much more embodied perspective yeah Mm, wow Mm -hmm. so there was quite a bit quite a bit that happened and started to fall into place and kind of started to clear that path is what I'm hearing and that path always went within and I think that's such a powerful part of this conversation is always guiding back to the internal and coming back to that space of not only checking in and saying, what is it that I need in this moment? How is it that I want to move through this reality and create what it is that I want to create? So, so beautiful. So within all of that, Is there something that, because I'm sure as a mom, a partner, a facilitator, a healer, there's so many different aspects, but is there some little nugget or piece of wisdom that you would offer to someone who maybe isn't on this, say, just their own path, but still unsure of the first or next step to that space of embodiment or self-discovery, if somebody didn't know what to do or how to connect with themselves on an emotional, mental, or even physical level, is there a, is there a next step for them or somewhere that they can turn? Mm, that's a good question. We all have the capacity, even if we're not practicing yoga or we wouldn't call ourselves spiritual, we all do have the capacity and we've mm. all had moments in our life where we've Often it's in nature, it could be making love or it could be having a cup of tea with a really good friend, where we do really drop into that connection mm-hmm. to our physical body, to our mental, to our emotional. I think we've all had times of that and 
taking some space to be able to recreate that that can be done in quite a structured way whether you're just walking in nature whether you like to surf whether you like to climb mountains whether you just like to sit quietly in the sun and read so again even in the way that I'm describing that it comes back to that container I was constantly striving in a container that I thought I needed to do like I have to get up at this time mm -hmm. and practice this way with this amount of incense and this amount of breaths say and what I realized over time is actually what really serves me so what I'm offering here is everybody will have their own individual preferences mm -hmm. and moments of where they feel more peaceful so creating that for yourself whatever that looks like it doesn't have to look outwardly super spiritual it may be dancing to really loud heavy metal music which I would totally Totally encourage as you know <laughs> yep <laughs> absolutely you know, like that's a totally a spiritual practice absolutely um, it's, so there's no right or wrong when we let go of oh should mm. I be doing it this way so creating a space and just take a moment of pause and connect into your breath and listening the body is a compass that's the way that I see it the body is your biggest truth teller the body does not lie the body is your compass and it's your one number one navigational tool through life that will always let you know when you're off and let you know mm. when you're on. We know when we're in the right way and flowing because we feel in alignment. We feel good. Like no matter whether we have a spiritual practice or not, or we practice yoga, we all know those moments where we feel amazing within mm -hmm. ourselves. And that's because we're on up and we're on truth. And we know we have those times where we feel terrible and crap and whatever else is going on and it's simply an indication you're not following the path that is that your body from the internal space is calling you to mm, absolutely it's really that simple yeah it doesn't have to be fancy. it doesn't have to involve incense it doesn't have to even involve yoga tights it can just be that simple <laughs> yeah. you know and and that question of um something i sit with is like if i'm uncertain about what way to turn in my life and still of course those questions arise often should mm -hmm. i do should i workshop or does that feel right to go and teach there i've been invited there or should i make this decision and i simply just take a moment to connect to my breath connect to my body and when I bring that question into my mind if my body feels expansive it feels good and we all know what that feels like then I know it's a yes and I know that's the right decision even if it might not seem outwardly like the right decision if I've got people in my life that might go why would you do that that's weird I know mm. if my body has it is totally the right thing for me and if my body shuts down and closes and feels like it's contracting then it's a no even if it might mean disappointing people yeah the felt sense is such a massive part of it and getting to know your felt sense and what that actually what a full body yes feels like and what a full body no feels like is such an important part of all of this so is there, I think you have alluded to it, which is why I want to touch on it a little more. When you feel as though your sense of self-agency or your, your truth, the space in which that you are aligned with is being threatened, or maybe your boundaries are being crossed, or whatever it looks like that really challenges your truest sense of self is there a practice that you come back to is is there a way that 
you handle those challenges or those personal threats in the moment? What does that look like? These things are practices though, and they do, they become, it becomes clearer and clearer the more you practice it. It's like you're down with dog. The more you practice it, the better it gets, the clearer it becomes, the more easeful it feels. So Mm -hmm. these, these are practices. One of the things that I really sit with is, is this mine, first of all. So say somebody comes into connection with me and they are, we can feel how somebody feels energetically when they're coming into your space. And we have a choice how we're going to meet that and we're going to respond. So I often will feel something in my body like an anxiety or a, mm-hmm. a heat say like an anger and one of the questions I ask is this actually mine because it could just be something else that I'm picking up on so that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I do is this mine yeah um my breath my breath my breath my breath <laughs> yeah I'm feeling really yeah um, confronted if someone's really pushing my boundaries definitely my breath so that I can stay aware of my internal space as much as my external space so I find that what happens for me and I think most people can relate to this is that when we're confronted when our boundaries are pushed we disconnect from ourselves. what's happening in our internal space and we all our awareness is out there on this other person mm-hmm. and then because we've pulled out of our center we then end up reacting as opposed to responding and then that's when it gets messy and ugly right or can (laughs) so how do I keep as much awareness on my internal presence as much as my external and then Mm -hmm. I breathe to the best of my ability I listen to what they are offering and then Mm -hmm. that of that sacred no if I need to say no and that's mm. hard, I'm still working with that to be honest like that no there's still so much conditioning around no that moment of discomfort I'm going to say no they want me to say yes that's why they're pushing my boundaries because they want something from me often that's the way that it is um, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to feel comfortable with saying no I'm going to honor keeping my own internal space feeling peaceful and calm as much as possible or back to as quickly as possible because the reality is is we do get pulled out and it's how quickly can I come back and I'm going to honor that more than what you're wanting or what you're pushing or what you're trying to get from me Mm, absolutely I think unpacking that sacred no would be really really powerful because it's It's something that I know for myself, I struggle with that a lot of the time. It can be so easy to say yes and just think, okay, it's fine. It's just one time. I'll just do this thing. I'll just help this person, whatever, whatever. But in that moment, we are truly saying no to ourselves and yes to someone else. So that sacred no is not only so empowering, but it also lets our bodies and our our field know that we are honoring ourselves and putting ourselves first in that space. So what does that sacred know and communicating it look like? Because I, and I know that you've said you're still working on and through it and I think that's always a practice but has that is there anything that's made it more prevalent or more accessible over time? understanding background work has been cultivating more self-love and more self-worth and feeling of worthiness Mm. 
So often we can say yes, or I I might say yes, I'll keep it personal, so that I'm often will say yes, so that we, we buoy our sense of self, even though we know we don't really mm-hmm. have all the time for it. So as I've cultivated that sense of self-worth and self-love and that cultivating of that internal space, I have more of an ability to go, is this really for my highest and best? Because if it's for my highest, Mm -hmm. then then it's for everybody's. But if it's not, then it's just a no. And and learning to trust that, learning to really trust my intuition has been another one. So self-worth, self-love, understanding and cultivating my intuition and part of the way that I cultivate that in a moment of if someone's asking me to do something is I'll often just say oh I just just hang on a minute I just need to sit with that or I just need to check in and I literally do that mm-hmm. I literally do that my friends that know me well know that I'll do that yeah. I'll just go oh hang on yeah <laughs> uh yep yep that's feeling right or yes that feels right but can we do it this way or it's mm. just not that's just not feeling right for me and being okay with knowing that if it's not right for me then it's actually not right for both of us mm-hmm. yeah that check-in it can be really hard to do in the moment because I think sometimes people feel a little weird taking that that pause and saying actually you know what I need to check in and really see if that resonates or if that aligns but it's so so crucial and I think if we could wrap our heads around the fact that if we pause and check in and let this person know actually I need to check in with myself first and see how that resonates that other person might actually really respect and value that and see that as a opportunity for them going forward to check in with themselves as well and it kind of creates that ripple effect of knowing it's okay to take that pause and to check in and make sure you have the capacity you have the space the energy whatever it looks like to either say yes or to say no so I think that's really, that check-in is so crucial. Even if you do it silently and you just take a moment of pause, or if you do it verbally, even better, because I think it opens that dialogue around it as well. Yeah. And if you feel uncomfortable, it could simply be, can I get, can I get back to you? Yeah. And then you give yourself the privacy and the space to go, oh, let me, and then, you know, check in, does this really feel right for me for this moment in time? And, and the thing is, is it may, at one moment, it mm-hmm. may feel like a yes, depending on what it is, right? How yeah, with it. absolutely. Uh, it may feel like a yes. And, but a week later, it may be like, no, that's no, because I'm in my pre-moon time, or I've just got a really busy week. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and it's sounding like a big chunk of all of this is really that open, compassionate, and vulnerable communication. And it's not only checking in with ourselves, but then knowing the words or how to say it, or that it's okay to speak your truth and say what it is that you have going on from that place of wisdom. Has there been moments where that communication has been really difficult and the word finding the words is really tough because of either the person that you're face to face with or the situation that you're coming into. And by no means do we have to divulge details, but in those moments of challenge in communication, has there been a tool 
that you can come back to and is it simply a pause or is it returning to the breath or maybe there's something else where you're like this is what's really helped me communicate in the hardest of times I I mean immediately what comes up for me when you ask that question is I've been married for 20 years so intimate relationship (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I think partly that's I I work and I've worked for a long time pretty much my whole working life in well-being so I'm often surrounded by people that and work with people that are conscious and they're open and can have honest dialogue and communication and of course it's those that are mm-hmm. closest to you that are going to really challenge you most right? <laughs> yeah so definitely with my partner of 20 years and we're both quite fiery strong will people actually at the end of the day even though I like to think that I'm this calm peaceful yogi family <laughs> they'll be like yeah and you're fiery and strong as hell <laughs> <laughs> I'm both I can totally be both I love um, it yeah uh so definitely with my husband and what and one of the biggest tools that we've learned around those really tricky times is a is a communication tool that is called NVC have you heard of NVC Nonviolent communication mm. it's a tool where you actually learn to deeply listen and that's the hardest part when we're when we're in this challenge of someone's wanting to be, really, they just want to be heard. And so this this skill set where we just, one of us holds the talking stick, so to speak. We don't actually physically <laughs> hold the stick. And we, we have words of, I need you to hold listening space for me. Mm-hmm. And we know when we say, okay, so he needs me to listen to him yeah. without interrupting, which is difficult. And but really, I yes, then I need to breathe. I need to breathe and feel those words that might be hurtful, that might be painful, that I might want to retaliate or defend against. I just listen to them, I let them move through me as opposed to landing and Mm. sticking and building a story around it. And then I repeat back what he said so that it's clear that I have actually heard him. And then I keep doing we keep doing that practice until he feels heard and that I've really clearly heard him and then is there anything else and then what is it that you need right now and sometimes you know there's a need that's been unmet and sometimes it's a sometimes it's just the need of actually being really heard about how they're feeling that's so beautiful we have recently moved and we've moved into a into a new school that's getting built a green school so there's a green school in Bali they're building a green school in New Zealand and we are lots of conversations with the teachers at the moment about bringing in those conscious communication skills from a young age because this is mm. you can't actually even understand how we feel so building that emotional intelligence expanding it out like they've done studies that most people and a lot of adults can only sort of name three emotions out of there's like 300 yeah narrow it down so much because we have been again from from childhood condition don't cry harden up I don't want to hear about it da 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 all of those old paradigms yep so how do we actually encourage our children to a even know how they're feeling like this is how I'm feeling at the moment a myriad of feelings 
coming through me and welcoming them in. It's like the beautiful ancient poet Rumi, and he, he has written one of his amazing poems is the guest house. And that's what that's about, oh, right? Yes. You know, every day there's a new emotional arising. And what we tend to do is we tend to push that away, like, oh, I don't And I actually would like to just mention in here that I think that's a big trap of the spiritual path is we want to push away our humanness and push away our emotionality and just get into higher states of being and in my experience the human experience will always be there no matter how much you practice and actually finding more peace is actually inviting it in like hearing it going oh that's interesting I'm, I'm feeling this at the moment and really listening to that because this is why people kill each other and there's so much conflict right in the world because we can't actually a we don't even know how to understand how we're feeling we're not heard we don't know how to communicate that and then we just shut down and get angry and act like little children throwing our toys out of the cot (laughs) yeah absolutely I think that's such a powerful, powerful point, because when I think of this sense of emotional intelligence, emotional awareness, like we're not even taught at a young age, like so many adults don't even know that interoception is one of our senses. And that's not any fault of theirs. We're not actually taught it. We're not taught to check in and understand our internal state. So when we look at interoception and being able to gauge how we're feeling internally, and this can be anything from hunger to thirst to fatigue to emotional awareness and understanding what we're feeling, it's exactly what you said. If we can't understand what's happening internally, how the heck are we supposed to communicate it? How are we supposed to let others know when we don't even know? So I think that's such a valuable point. And I wish every single school was teaching that and having that conversation of it's okay to feel the big emotions. It's okay to be crying right now. It's okay to be frustrated or angry. But how are we going to verbalize that so that we can resolve it and help guide through this situation? So you may have alluded to it, possibly, I'm not sure, we'll see how you answer this next question, but this next question is probably my absolute favorite, because I think this is where we get into a little more of your truth, but in the bigger sense of how we can make bigger changes. So when you sit in this space of centered self-agency and your alignment, when you look at the global community, what's happening in the world now, is there a big change that you see that you would want to make or a societal norm that you would want to disrupt? And what is it and why? This has taken me a long time to get there, but I have a deep Mm. understanding that there's nothing in here, in this internal space, that is not out there so we ask what is it that we would want to change out there Mm -hmm. really there's only in here it doesn't mean that we don't take action doesn't mean that you know we look at all the enlightened teachers and masters uh, mother Teresa, for example just she's coming to my mind you know they, they are service in the world but from that understanding of not service so that people like them more or so that they fit more, but actually because they understand that we are intricately interweaved 
with one another. This understanding that we are one, it's not a falsehood, it's a deep, deep reality. You know, if we take our blood and place it under a microscope, it has the same consistency, or we test it, it's the same consistency as the ocean. Our bones, like if we think about our body, we ingest food, we break down minerals that the, you know, we eat food from the earth that is borrowed from minerals from the earth that literally build our bones. So there's nothing out there that is not in here on a physical level, on a cosmic level, the you know, on a quantum physics level, on an atomic, mm. uh, atomic level, uh, the atoms in our hands come from the stars. You know, there's nothing in here that's not out there. So if, if we're looking at a reality that we're like, that's pretty crazy. Like if we mm -hmm. look at the Amazon burnings at the moment, just say for example, because that seems to be in the global media. It's like, what am I in myself? Like understanding that I'm not going to go out and light fires. In fact, you know, mm. in our daily life, we've been cultivating a lot of trees and growing them for the green school. We've been planting thousands and thousands of trees. But what is it within me that is contributing to this global reality? And what is it within me that's really contributing mm. to this global reality that we're living in, that we're seeing at the moment? So again, absolutely. It seems simple, but it's coming back to this internal space. What am I really hiding in the shadows? What am I burning away? What am I not wanting to look at? What do I know is not sustainable in my life that I'm really not turning inward? And then once I address that and, and it can be in conjunction with, then what do I want to out there and change in the world? But I, it's really got to come from this inner place. And that is why I do what I do. We lived off the grid for seven years we grew a lot of our own food we lived in this very close harmony with earth when our children were younger and that was great but what I learned to understand was actually the biggest change that we need in the world is for people to understand that they are connected and that we are all one and if I hurt you if I hurt the rivers if I hurt the forest then I hurt myself well we burn the forest and we're not going to have anything to breathe it's as simple as that. exactly yeah and that's exactly it when did we when did we lose that connection you know that that connection with ourselves, with the planet with soul with one another yeah this understanding that we think we are the drop you know we're the drop and the ocean we are both of that mm -hmm. we can't survive just in our own as a drop you can't survive yeah no I think that's so so beautiful and I think that's exactly why these conversations are so important because it it does come down to us as individuals and what we're doing internally because you really can't help but live a more wholehearted and compassionate life when you're so in line with your truth because you do realize that anything that happens externally happens internally and how you're treating internally reflects how things are happening externally so that's exactly it and I think you summarize that so so eloquently that there's really there's nothing else to say on that because that just it just is and I love that Sasha thank you so so much for your time today your insight your wisdom and just showing up so candidly and openly it's so appreciated and I think as we continue these conversations and keep it going it's exactly this type of 
energy and interaction that is going to shift the way we see our relationship with ourselves. So I really do appreciate everything that you are and everything that you bring to the table. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to join you and to have this conversation because yes these conversations are so so important and really deeply what is going to you know help us step up and be greater participants in this reality that we are all collectively creating this moment in time Mm -hmm. exactly thank you so much for listening and if there's anything anything at all that you want to explore or you have ideas about and want to get into please please drop me a line you can find us at the self-agency advocate on both facebook and instagram and i would absolutely love to chat so let's connect Mm -hmm.